wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Let me remind you of announcements I made this morning. Um, this Saturday is our church cleanup day, our spring cleanup day, 10 a.m., so be here for that. Also, family camp registrations are back there. If you need one, please get one. And if you haven't turned those in yet, get those turned in as soon as possible, please. And family camp is fast approaching, uh, June 9th through the 12th. And so be in prayer for that. Also, I need to make mention that we are having choir practice this afternoon. So if you are in the choir, we'll have a short practice today. And we'll be preparing for some family camp stuff, okay? And also, uh, apparently, um, there's been a few coffee spills in the auditorium. And that is a no-no. So uh, we've asked you to please use cups that are sealed with sealed lids. We're trying to preserve the new carpet as long as possible. So just a reminder, please help us out with that. Okay. All right. We get on with our series here, uh, The Power of Suffering. And we're going to bring this series to a close this afternoon. And I want to just sort of wrap up the thoughts over the last 10, 12 weeks that we've been in this study on the issue of suffering, persecution, and so on, and, and how God uses it uh, in the lives of His people. And what have we learned so far? Just to remind you, we started out with this principle that the world hates Jesus Christ. It's only getting worse. It will continue to get worse. Jesus Christ suffered at the hands of men, and Jesus said, don't be surprised when the world hates you if you're going to be a follower of me. And Paul said to Timothy, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so we should not be surprised by it. We should not, um, it should not be something that takes us by surprise and causes confusion the world hated Jesus, and Jesus said, the world's going to hate you if you follow me. So, sometimes God's people may suffer while living in this world. <clears throat> and then the Lord gives us examples in the scriptures of those who experience suffering and persecution for the cause of Christ, but by God's grace, they handled it exceedingly well. And the, the principle behind all of that was that we have the same grace available to us. And we have all that we need to deal well with suffering if and when it comes into our life, if God chooses to allow us to walk that road. Another principle that we learned is that God is not random or arbitrary. God is sovereign, and God does not change, and God does all things well, and He does everything with purpose. Therefore, if we have to endure some hard things, it also will not be random, it also will not be arbitrary, and there will be purpose in it from the Lord. It will be for spiritual good. And so, as we close this series, I want to talk again about lessons that we can learn from suffering. And we have considered a few already, but what spiritual good can come 
And what can we learn from suffering in this life? And that's the main thought behind uh, the message today. I'm not going to keep you long at all this afternoon and just want to encourage you uh, with some truth from God's Word, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your Word to bring comfort and encouragement to the saints of God. And Lord, we, we have to trust you. We have to live by faith. We have to walk by faith day by day. We don't know what may happen in this world or in this country and what kinds of things we may experience but we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you do all things well you do things with purpose that your grace is sufficient and father that there is spiritual good to be had in in every circumstance of life and to prove romans 8 28 that all things even suffering or persecution works together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Lord, I pray that you bless your word. May you be exalted here. In Jesus' name, amen. As we kind of begin these thoughts here, let me just remind you of this truth that you already know, but I'll just remind you of it. Knowing things intellectually is not always a direct parallel with knowing things because of experience. Does that make sense? you understand that? We can know things intellectually. We can know principles, in fact. But uh, it's not always a direct parallel with knowing it because of experience. And you've heard the phrase, experience is the best teacher. That might be true. But here's another phrase. Experience can be the hardest teacher, too. Um, there was a sign on the wall of a junior high, high classroom that contained those very words. The science said this, experience is the hardest teacher because it often gives the test first and then the lesson. And that actually can parallel the Christian life quite well. I think that is a truism uh, that we often forget. That experience and experiencing the hardship uh, is necessary before we truly learn the lesson. That makes sense. We tend to forget that. We forget that experiences in the Christian life, whether they're difficult or whether they're pleasant, they tend to be followed by a true understanding of the lesson that it's intended to teach. I, I know of times in my own life where, um, you know, I should have learned the lesson already, but because I didn't learn the lesson, I had to experience something that God brought into my life that really made me learn the lesson. Does that make sense? And that is the truth sometimes. We can know Bible principles about suffering as part of God's plan for our life. Uh, we can know Bible principles as to you know, how we should respond in the midst of it. But it's a different thing altogether when we've got to walk through it. And that is often when we really learn truth or principle from God's Word. And here's the thing, learning from suffering is also one of God's primary purposes in allowing it in our life. And so what lessons would the Lord teach us through experiencing suffering? Well, I think that we have to just simply look at the Word of God and look at examples in the Word of God to find out some of the lessons that we can learn. The first is, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verses 3 through 8, we'll start with these thoughts here. And the first lesson I want us to consider here is that we can learn that suffering produces uh, and helps us to learn and know what true comfort actually is. True comfort. In 2 Corinthians 1, in verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation." Um, the thought here behind the apostle, that the Apostle Paul gives is that we can learn and understand what true comfort is from the Lord because of the sufferings that we experience in our life. Now, I mean, it's one thing to say I'm comforted, you know, and I need, I need comfort, you need comfort when, you know, when we've got a, a little bit of angst or a little bit of a problem in life, but but those, those, those problems sometimes are very petty compared to real suffering. And then understanding the amount of comfort that God can give when one is really walking through the fire of suffering and persecution. This can parallel the, the Christian life very well. Oftentimes when believers, their lives are shrouded by suffering and sorrow... What you don't see underneath is what is being produced through the suffering and the sorrow. Gentleness and tender hearts are often the result and the product of great sorrow, but that tenderness and that gentleness doesn't come about without experiencing some comfort in the midst of that trial. Paul gives us this example with his own life based on his own experiences. And he has some simple yet profound things to say about comfort as it relates to suffering. First of all, he says in verse 3, in the first part of verse 4, that God is a God of comfort. He reaffirms that fact. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation." He reaffirms the fact that God is a God of comfort. And why would he not be as our Heavenly Father, who pities his children? Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Isaiah 49 and verse 13 says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. And break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. That's the kind of God that he is. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, sometimes in the middle of trial, it's, it might feel like God is distant. Have you ever felt that way? But that's not true. It might feel like it in the moment when our focus is on the circumstance, but God is at work. And God has promised that He is the God of comfort. Now look at Romans chapter 8. Just keep your place here and look at Romans chapter 8 with me. In verse 32, let's go back to verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And he goes on to talk about how no one can lay anything to the charge of God's elect. He talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Even tribulation and distress or persecution and all of those things, they can't separate us from the love of Christ. And he talks about the confidence he has uh, in the Lord and the love of God that God has for him. And the clear application from especially verse 32 is that if God the Father has already given to us the greatest possible gift that we could have in the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's no problem for Him to give us a comparatively small serving of His comfort in our life. He would withhold nothing from us. You know what? I need comfort in my life. I'm glad for God's comfort. It's a wonderful thing to experience God's comfort. But I want you to go back to our text at least for this point, in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because we need to understand this. God is a God of comfort. I'm glad for His comfort. I need it in my life. But God's comfort doesn't come to us, though, as an end in itself. It's not merely for my own benefit. The very next verse indicates that God has a definite purpose in the comfort that he gives to me in my life. Now note this, verse 4, who comforted us with all, in all of our tribulation, that, that word indicates the end uh, result or the purpose in, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Do you notice this here? What's the purpose? One of the primary purposes of God extending comfort to me so that then I can take his comfort and share it with somebody else. God's comfort is not just to benefit myself. There's a definite purpose here. And God's purpose and comfort is for me to be able to comfort others. Now, comfort comes from God, right? The Bible says so. He's the God of all comfort. Paul says in verse 4, that we can comfort others uh, wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So comfort comes from God. Therefore, comfort, when I am to extend it to someone else, it means that comfort is something that God is entrusting to me. It's something that belongs to Him, that God is entrusting to me so that I can share it with other people. Now, great, we understand that. But here's the thought. 
We cannot do that if we are so self-absorbed that we cannot see that other people need comfort. God is entrusting that to me. But I cannot do that if I am so self-absorbed that I cannot see that other people need it. Listen, isn't it, isn't it helpful? You can relate to this. It's helpful when there's somebody who can relate to your situation because they've been there already. They've already walked through it and they know exactly what you're feeling. Isn't that comforting? Versus somebody who tries to, I know what you're feeling, brother, but I've never walked that road. How can I possibly know? And sometimes even, honestly, I feel at a loss at time, sometimes to try to bring some comfort to somebody because I can't relate to their situation. But I know that God can. And I have a, a, a desire to want to comfort them, but I'm of no comfort at all, really. And so what I'm saying here is that suffering... And walking through trial and even possibly persecution, God, first of all, brings comfort to His people. But one thing that we can learn from this is we can learn what true comfort really is from God Himself and then turn around and be a comfort to other people. Now look at verse 5. We also learn something else about this comfort. Paul says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. What does this tell us? It tells us that comfort is proportional to the need. It tells us that comfort is proportional to the need. God will not allow us to go through something that is beyond His grace and ability to bring comfort with. That's a hard truth to really learn and know without experience because just think for a second of the worst kind of trial or suffering that you think you could possibly walk through God's comfort is proportional to the need but if I've not walked through that that's a hard principle for me to really understand and know isn't it you can think of times when you've walked a hard road. But if you have a relationship with the Lord, I, I personally, I can, I can name some. Some hard, hard things. But in the middle of it, learning something about God and His comfort that I never knew before. And on the other side of it, to look back and see that, you know what, God is always faithful. And I learned something about my God through that and his ability to bring comfort into my life he really does love me he's not going to allow us to go through something that is beyond his grace and his comfort i think paul is certainly a testimony to this principle paul suffered as much as any man ever did we can read about some of that in fact in second corinthians just look at chapter 11 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. He says, as they, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. 
in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He talks about all of the things that he experienced, but he doesn't talk about those in a complaining fashion or manner. He just suffered as, as much or more than any man. And yet, when you look over the course of the Apostle Paul's life, when he's ministering to the churches, Paul continually ministered to people in gentleness and tenderness. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear to us. What I'm saying is, the Apostle Paul certainly would have experienced comfort from the Lord, but what do you see him doing in return? It's not an end unto itself. And so the application is the comfort that we receive from the Lord allows us first to look beyond ourselves and reminds us then that there are others, others in the body that can benefit from our trials and benefit from the comfort that we've experienced from the Lord. And you know what? Other people can do the same for us through the experiences that they have in their life. And our sufferings ought to enable us to actually minister better one to another. Paul expands on that in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 25, where he says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Our sufferings can teach us not only the comfort of God, but then it can also teach us to see beyond that and know how to minister better to each other. So instead of self-focus, we can learn true comfort comes from the Lord, but that He wants to use me to be a comfort to others who walk through struggles as well. So one thing we can learn is true comfort. Secondly, we can learn that suffering yields greater wisdom. Suffering yields greater wisdom. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 4 with me. Proverbs chapter 4. Wisdom is one of the most valuable character traits a Christian can have. Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the primary, the principal thing. 
Therefore, get wisdom. Now, when we're talking about suffering, yielding greater wisdom, we can look in the Old Testament at at a man named Job. Job was a man who appreciated the value of wisdom, but he learned it amidst severe suffering in his life. Go to Job chapter 28. Through the things that Job experienced, Job learned to recognize the bankruptcy of his own reasoning. Another thing that Job learned was that even other people's advice can be very inadequate. His friends were no real friends. Their advice didn't do him much good. And what Job came to understand was that God's wisdom was the source for understanding what was going on in his life. In Job 28, look at verse 12, and here's what Job said about the value of divine wisdom. He said in verse 12, But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it is not in me, and the sea saith, it is not in me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. Whence then cometh wisdom, and where is the place of understanding? Skip down to verse 23. God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. For he looketh to the ends of the earth, and seeth under the whole heaven. Look at verse 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Here's what Job says about the value of divine wisdom. It's far greater than anything in this world and anything in this earth. But God understands it. God knows divine wisdom... God's wisdom is the source for understanding life and all of its problems. Wisdom from the Lord is what pulls everything together in a time of suffering. You know the feeling of chaos, the feeling of uncertainty, the feeling of not knowing, all the feelings that bring anxiety and stress and fear, right? You know what I'm talking about? The wisdom of God is what pulls all of that together in the time of suffering. It helps us to endure through it. It allows us to have the right attitude and perspective that God does all things well. I can trust Him. God is not arbitrary. This is, there's a purpose. How do I get God's wisdom then? Well, James 1.5 simply says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth. To all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. God's wisdom is not some detached academic knowledge. 
No, God's wisdom is the practical understanding of how to live life in obedience to the will and the word of God, even in the midst of suffering. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, and verse 7. It ought to be a motto for life. It's one of my favorites that I continually go to. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The very next verse is, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. In the context of suffering, then, we need to ask God for wisdom to help us persevere scripturally, not just enduring, like I'm going to knuckle down and I'm just going to bear under it, I'm just going to do this. No, but to endure scripturally. We need His help to be able to see His hand in the situations that we face. We need His help to keep a joyful attitude and respond submissively, knowing that He, what kind of a God that He is. That need for help dovetails marvelously with one of the overall purposes of God in allowing us to experience suffering or trial. And that is this, to make us more dependent on Him. That's wisdom depending on the Lord. The third and final thing that we can learn from suffering is that suffering yields greater humility. It can yield greater humility. Not only does it teach us what true comfort is, that it comes from God, not only does it yield greater wisdom to depend on God, but thirdly, it yields greater humility. One of the most humbling yet least regarded truths concerning suffering is that suffering doesn't play favorites. Suffering doesn't play favorites. Disasters, accidents, crimes, disease, economic problems, wars, they affect all classes of people, rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter. Suffering doesn't play favorites. Another reason why God allows suffering at times is to humble us. Suffering can remind us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. It's kind of an equalizer in a lot of ways. Let me give you a scriptural illustration in the Apostle Paul. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Note the heart attitude and thinking of the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. This was designed. It was given to me. He says, lest I should be exalted 
above measure. Verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So now note Paul's attitude. Most gladly, therefore, because of that, because I understand that, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And Paul basically says, if anybody has reason to glory, it could be me. The abundance of revelations from the Lord. But I'm not special. And to make sure I remember that I'm not special, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure, he says. And so the application here is troubles, trials, persecutions, the distresses that may come to the child of God. It ought to remind us that we have no strength of our own. And He's the one that we must depend on. And when we are without strength, we are forced to rest in Him. That's humbling. That's humbling. And we need greater humility as we spoke on this morning. He must increase, I must decrease. It's always a challenge for believers to keep their hearts and their minds focused properly in a difficult trial or a time of suffering. You understand what I'm talking about. It's always a challenge to keep your heart and your mind in the right place, in the middle of those hard things. Even with the promise of lessons learned, I know that there's something in this. God has something in store for me. There's a lesson here in it all. What is it? Even the promise of that, those benefits that we intellectually know can sometimes feel more theoretical than actually real. But you know what? When we walk through the trial and then we begin to experience that principle firsthand, boy, we can have so much greater confidence in the reality of those promises because we've had to walk through the trial. And that reminds us Listen, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. God's purposes are not always apparent at the start of a severe trial, but that should not deter us from keeping our eyes on Him. You know Hebrews chapter 11, faith's hall of fame, right? Those mentioned in faith's hall of fame were enabled to see beyond the immediate obstacles to the prize that was set before them. It talks about their faith. And what I'm simply saying is, we also need to live by faith and learn to trust God through all circumstances 
And we need to learn it now because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. There can be much good that comes through suffering. God may choose to allow us to walk through it because through that, He's going to purify us. He's going to make us into the image of Christ and He's going to glorify Himself in our life. And I'm not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm not sure what next year is going to bring in America. We might face some sort of persecution for the name of Jesus Christ. And the question is, how will we handle it? You might face some persecutions even now on your job simply for being a a Christian who has convictions about some things. You might face some persecution for being different and set apart for Christ. The question is, are you willing, number one, and then number two, how are you going to handle it? Well, God's given us all that we need right here to be able to respond spiritually and then understand that God has a purpose in it and there's lessons for us to learn. Persecution can be a blessing when we understand what it's all about. Learning to depend on Him and then an opportunity for Him to glorify Himself in our life. We need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. And the way to be prepared is through the principles of God's Word. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just encourage your people It is true that sometimes things can seem theoretical and not very real. But it's also true that we don't really learn until we walk through it and then experience the reality of it, the promises and the principles. And then we can better learn those lessons. And experience can be the hardest teacher. Lord, I pray that you'd help us no matter what, come what may. Lord, to be confident in you and in your promise, to be spiritually prepared and ready, and Lord, to be willing to take up our cross, to follow you, to be a true disciple of Christ, may mean suffering. It may mean persecution if we choose to stand on principle and conviction and live godly in this present world, then on some level, to some degree, we're probably going to experience the hatred of the world and persecution. And I pray, ultimately, that God's people would respond rightly and well so that Christ would be exalted, that Christ would be magnified. Lord, equip us, we pray, that we might serve you, that we might honor you and exalt you in Jesus name. Amen.